welcome to the Jarek Show. I didn't mean to bring James on already, but here we are, okay? So episode 70, uh, here's the deal. Javad is out this week, so we've moved in James. I had to pick someone with a J name, so it's it continued to be the Jarek Show, only instead of Javad and Eric, it's now James and Eric. So episode 70, this is our second time going live. I know, we've, we've been doing this for a long time. We've got three followers now, so um, yeah, hopefully... Uh, we can grow that here by going live a little bit. We do have comments open, though. If you want to comment, we are happy to uh, we're happy to talk to you there. So, uh, having said that, we've got a couple of really cool stories uh, going on today. We've got the IKEA internal email problems. We have Planned Parenthood of LA getting breached, and some other ones as well. So, we're going to get to that as soon as we come back from our lovely little intro. Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Crone. Timely topics, poorly presented. Well, all right, everybody. <laughs> I still love that intro. I really do. Those, those pictures are awesome. fun. Um, yeah, so today, as I mentioned, we got some pretty cool stuff going on. Uh, James is our co-host here. Please be sure to comment if you... Uh, if you feel the need to, we're happy to talk about it. James, is there anything you want to say or mention before we get started with the fun? I'm really, really sad that Javad wasn't in the office and we didn't get to see him this week. You know, it was just, it was really depressing. But, you know, who am I kidding? It's been awesome this week and I'm so excited to be here <laughs> working with you on The Jarek Show. Yeah, totally. I'm kind of with you on that. Um good times. Uh, it is what it is, but all right. Having said that, let's go ahead. Let's move straight into the fun here. Let's talk about our first story here. This is Ikea hit by email reply chain cyber attack. So this happened on, on, uh, uh, black Friday. God, oh man, my brain is so shot. I need some more of this today. So black Friday, Ikea gets hit by this thing, the email reply chain cyber attack. I love the names that they have for some of these things now. But basically what happened is somebody got into their email system, into a legitimate account, and started sending emails to other employees uh, with links and things like that. And then they were taking over other accounts and, and doing this. This is all happening um, within, <laughs> uh, within a little while here. Uh, in Ikea on Black Friday, which of course is madness anyway. So this is kind of an example of the phishing emails they do. Um, and we've talked about this in the past. When somebody gets into an email account, it's a pretty ugly thing when it's a legitimate account. Don't you think, James? Definitely. Uh, you know, one of the things that I know I talk about in uh, conversations with organizations and people you know, there's always three questions I like to ask myself when it comes to these kind of emails, especially even internal ones, because, you know, a lot of the time people think, oh, I don't have anything the cyber criminals would want. You know, they can have my pictures and it's not the pictures. It's not your data. It might be. But a lot of the time it's your trusted connections. It's because you've got people that you're connected with, family, friends, coworkers. And they are leveraging that. And that's what we're seeing here is they, they got into that email system. And we've seen it in demonstrations, uh, you know, from Kevin, from Kevin Mitnick, where he's gone in and demonstrated that he gets into somebody's email account because he guesses their password or they get, they get access to it through a phishing email or, or whatever other 
fun tactic they use. And they're leveraging that, that trusted connection they have. And so they can send that out and people go, oh, you know, check out this video I think I saw you in, you know, and that level of curiosity, that emotional lure is what gets people in. They're like, I'm in a video. I got to check this out. Click. And lo and behold, they end up um, falling victim to that attack as well. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of stuff in uh, Facebook lately, actually through my friend circle on Facebook where people, um, you know, we always have those lookalike accounts. And so half the time people say, I've been hacked. And, you know, they haven't, right? It's just, it's some sort of, uh, I don't know, it's some sort of other stuff, basically. Um, but but ultimately, when it's said and done, um, what you find out is it, it was just a fake. That's mm -hmm. all. Um, so what we end up doing then is, um, you know, you just tell people, Hey, be careful. This wasn't me in these cases though. It actually looks like their real accounts are taken over. And what's happening is they're getting those, uh, those messages. And a lot of them are just look what I found and it's right. a link. And, you know, people click on that. I've probably seen it, um, in the last two weeks, I've probably seen it with four or five people I know. Um, the interesting part is they don't seem to be smart enough to change the password or the recovery information because right. the people are able to get back into their accounts, which in my experience is kind of a rarity in these sorts of things. One of the first things they tend to do is change the password so the legitimate owner can't get in there along with the email address so they can't take it back over. Right. So, oh, dear yep. Lord. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, look. You missed oh. me, guys? God, man. And he's got admin rights, when you do it live, I told you we should have recorded it and he wouldn't have been able to do this. We could have edited him out. Yeah, now we can't. Yeah, the crap part is he's he's got. Well, these two are just like you flapping the mouse. Welcome, everybody, to The Jarrett Show. I am your host, Javad Malik. And alongside me today is Eric Crone. And we have special guest, our very own James McQuigan. Thank you and welcome to the show, fellas. God, you're oh. like the bad rash you've been fighting. We just can't get oh. rid of you. <laughs> you know, I, I literally just done the school run. It's my day off today. And I, I got Wait. back and I got this notification that the studio is live. And I thought, hmm, okay. <laughs> I told <laughs> you, Eric, just... we were just talking about changing passwords. I think somebody uh, yeah. changed the password. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, geez. Well, there goes a the neighborhood. Well, it is um, it is relatively nice to have you on here, Javad. I guess we'll go with that. Um, as you may or may not have seen, I don't know if you've been watching, but we've been going through some of the, the stories here. The first one being the IKEA internal email issue where everybody was emailing each other within there. And, and you know what? I was thinking how much I missed you because I was about to bring up one of my army stories. <coughs> Only this wasn't a, uh, a an attack like that. This was an internal uh, or a reply to thing. We we had helped roll out exchange to the army across North America, and uh, and and the engineers apparently hadn't gotten all the permissions correct. So somebody in one of the uh, in one of the post camps or stations sent an email to everybody. Now they thought it was everybody on their post camper station. And it said, if your, if your vehicle is parked next to this building, you need to move it or it's going to be towed. Well, they sent it to the army. Okay. So, so what we had then was we had about three days of replies that included things like stop replying to all replying to all, right? We always see those ones. Those are always classic. Um, but then we have people from post camps and stations across the country going, not our car. We just made sure. 
<laughs> and so it was kind of a rolling joke for days. Uh, but the stress it put on our email servers uh, was was brutal. And it really opened up our eyes to when you have uh, distribution groups like that, making sure that they're nailed down, that they're more secure than perhaps uh, otherwise, because that, that's a big deal when you can reply to a group like that. What do you all think? Anything uh, you want to add to that, Javad? You ever done something like that? Never. <laughs> well, ne never, never this decade. Uh, I think <laughs> I'm a lot more careful. I think it, it's probably happened more times than I, I care to admit. Yeah, yeah. We've all hit the reply to uh, reply to all button accidentally, right? And gone, oh crap, right, yeah. James? I'm. I'm sure you've done it once or twice. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot to learn from that dangerous, uh, dangerous email can be dangerous. So our next story we're going to move into, though, is this one here. So this is uh, Medsurant Health. Uh, they they filed a report to HHS that they had 45,000 customers information leaked. However, they've not notified the patients of this either which is kind of like, what are you doing, folks? Now, I understand the idea of we don't have much information to give them. But Javad, you and I have talked about this in the past pretty significantly. Like, you can't just leave people out of that. The, the notification process is so important in incident response on these things. The least they can do, if they have a list of 45,000 people, they're going to tell HHS we're impacted. They could reach out to them and say, this is what we know so far Keep yourself safe. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I'd like to just say that these are patient, these are pa patients' data. Yeah. yeah. So they've probably got enough on their plate. They're sick. They 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 want to get better. So I think the less things you trouble them with, the better. Ain't that right, James? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. No. Um, I think you know a lot of it. You know, when we look at organizations and we look at your incident response. Either they've got an incident response plan and they've got this detailed that they're not communicating out to their uh, patients, uh, their customers. Um, they've either got that detailed and they've already passed it through legal or they hadn't thought of that. The fact, oh, we notify HHS and they're, they're struggling. Their incident response team is struggling trying to figure out what to do next. And either they knew what they were doing, in which case, shame on them, or... They didn't know what they were doing, and they're still trying to figure this out, dealing with this attack, because we know how stressful it gets in those organizations when that ends up happening. But either way, transparency is kind of the best policy with regards to that. Even if, as Eric was saying, even if you don't know all the facts and details, it's like, hey, you know, we take security seriously. And in brackets, not seriously enough, but <laughs> yeah. if we take it seriously... Just keep an eye on your accounts and everything else going forward. You're going to end up getting people pissed at you anyway. You're just going to have to deal with it because most likely this the cyber criminals have exposed your weaknesses in your organization um, and been able to gain access and steal all this data. Yeah, and you know, the pro beautiful tip is it, it, pro tip is if you set up a Google alert with "We take security seriously," that's a far <laughs> better threat intel feed and IDS than uh, than uh, you, you'll ever find elsewhere. So, yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. I love that. I love that. Yeah, you know, we've seen some pretty good ones where they've set up just pages that say, this is what we know right now. 
and then they update it as it goes along. And at least that's kind of helpful for people to understand. And I get it. Notifications can be expensive, especially if they're having to mail them out. But um, this is part of the cost of handling people's sensitive data and letting it get out. It's just part of that cost, unfortunately. So it is what it is. Um, we have another story here, speaking of medical stuff, because that's going to be kind of where we're going today. Um, this one here is about a cyber attack on Planned Parenthood Los Angeles. So some attackers got in, looks like a ransomware thing. We don't know its strain yet. Uh, stuff was exfiltrated, shockingly. Um, impacts about 400,000 people through this Planned Parenthood clinic. And here's the thing here in the U.S., Javad, I don't know if you know, um, abortion rights and things like that are a hot topic right now. And they do a lot of these sorts of things. This is kind of in, in their area with uh, reproductive health and things like that, which is extremely sensitive information. So imagine the kind of um, uh, the, the kind of concern that people may have if they realize or if they're threatened to dump some of this information. You know, this is some highly volatile kind of stuff going on. And unfortunately, they lost track of it. Uh, thoughts on this one? And James? Oh, okay. Well, you know, this stolen data and the threats by ransomware gangs that perform the attacks to release it publicly have contributed to the skyrocketing ransom amounts we are seeing. That is a direct quote from Mr. Eric Crone. That is, that is in this very article, as a matter of fact, I believe. <laughs> Well, it's um, true. No, it's true. I, there's no arguing it. Um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the cyber criminal groups, when it comes to the ransomware they're doing, you know, when you go look at the 130 plus, you know, different groups that are out there with their dark web pages where they're posting all their information, you know, you've got some of them out there saying we're not going to hit healthcare, we're not going to hit critical infrastructure, but there's a lot of them out there. They'll just hit whoever they can gain access to. You know, whoever is going to be the unsuspecting person that clicks on that link and lets in the cyber criminals through the electronic front door or an unpatched system, they'll get in and they'll, they will have no problem exposing that organization. And unfortunately it's the organization suffers as well as in this case, the 400,000 people, uh, patients that, um, that have visited there. So not yep. good. John? Not good indeed. Not good. I think uh, what James said, that summed it up. Yeah. yeah. One of the other things, uh, one well, of the other things about uh, Planned Parenthood is they've been under the gun a little bit for performing um, procedures on uh, minors without notifying parents as well. So there could be some people that are minors in here whose data is out there that, I mean, mm -hmm. this is really, really sensitive stuff. And this goes back to the same thing I usually argue about this. When you collect or generate information like this, data like this, that's this sensitive, you need to be on top of protecting that. Yep. Um, you have a, a really, really strong requirement to protect that uh, morally, ethically, and legally. And to see this kind of stuff happen over and over again is just in incredibly frustrating to see that happen. Well, that, you know, and, and I think there's a quote by... I can't remember. It might have been Rowena Fielding, who's uh, one of our guests that we had in the past, and she she's saying like, we need to reframe the discussion. We're not protecting data; we're protecting people. Right. And this is one of those clear cut examples of that. That you know, there are people with 
from because of the culture they're from or their religious beliefs or some other cultural beliefs that this thing could land people in trouble. That's why yeah. sometimes you even have the case of minors going through this. They don't want their parents to know or or, or what have you. And there could be some real uh, ramifications to this kind of thing that are, are far reaching. And and so, you know, to, to your point, Eric, that's why it makes it so important to to protect this information, to go above and beyond or just not hold it at all. Just don't just tear it up and burn it. I, I mean, like, what have you, you know, what's the value in, in holding this information? So, you know, it's it's something that I think we, we need to really be uh, mindful of it. When, you know, when you just say data, it can feel a bit oh, this is just, you know, data, but it's not just data. Yeah, it depersonalizes it a little bit there. And, and but no, this is lives and you're right. This is such a, such a charged topic, um, you know, religiously, morally, ethically, and all that. You're right. This could have such an impact on people if this information gets out. Can you imagine the people, if they know that this is out there, um, what they may be going through if they're concerned about these things. I mean, this is this is not a pretty thing for them. It's unfortunate, but uh, here we are. <laughs> this is the problem with so much data we have out there. So I want to move on to my last. It's not really a story, but something I'm really excited about. And guess what? It's got yours truly in here as well. That's right, folks. I am now an ILF ambassador. ILF, in case you don't know, we, we've talked about that. That's Innocent Lives Foundation. Um, the Innocent Lives Foundation is such a cool organization. Uh, this is what they do. They, they actually go out and they, um, they hunt down child predators. So law enforcement will come to them and say, hey, we got some, some people that are doing predatory behaviors. They're after somebody. And they use um, OSINT and other techniques to uncover these people and basically... Uh, bring them out in the light for law enforcement to take action on. So it's a fantastic not-for-profit organization. Um, it was started by Chris Hadnagy and some others. Fantastic people. I mean, I've known them for a while. I, I've I've done this, and now I'm officially an ambassador of them, meaning basically I get to do what we're doing right now, which is share some information and try to make them uh, as well-known as we possibly can. I know both of you are familiar with some of the, the people involved in the ILF and the organization itself. Well, what are your thoughts about the organization? Fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We need more, more, more of this kind of stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. And these are all people, I mean, some of them are on they're they're being paid for their stuff. I mean, this is a serious organization, but they can only do as much as they can afford to keep people on payroll. And since they're basically donation driven, Anything that, that people can do to help this organization is is great in my mind. James, you're, you're familiar with them too, right? Yeah, uh, known Chris for years and, and of course, Alith, and she's been on yeah. your show. And I've Friend I've of the show, a, yeah. Friend of the show. I've had Alith on, at, present to my IAC Squared Security chapter, so I uh, got to know her over the years as well. But what they're doing is, is fantastic. I remember early on conversations with Chris where what we don't realize is when you've got law enforcement people that are having to look at the images of young children in, un, in unfortunate positions that are, you know, sexual positions, whatever, just it, it's disgusting in itself. And when they have to go through for evidence bases and research and looking for stuff, it just messes with your mind um, in ways. And one of the things that Chris did, to, if I remember correctly, is um, blurring technology over the sensitive areas. So it didn't, it desensitized it a little bit so that they were still able to go through it. 
um, just to help the mindset of the people doing the work as well as, you know, helping find the, uh, the kids and stop these predators and everything else. Yeah. Uh, hat tip, kudos, love, love Chris and, and his team and everything that he's doing. Absolutely. Horrendous stuff, man. I, I, yep. yeah. I, I couldn't do that myself. That job. No. I, and that's, yeah, I told him that um, before I, I said, you know, I, I can help with uh, getting your message out there, getting you out there maybe for donations. But I know that I could not handle trying to chase these people down and being exposed to it. And there's a lot of things that go behind that, um, you know, with with making sure that uh, that these people have resources that they can go to, um, because this is very traumatic no matter what you're never going to get used to this um, but they have to in order to try to uncover this sort of stuff and so you know unfortunately uh, it does cost money to do that so again anything we can donate to these folks they just did uh, they just benefited from like a walkathon it was a six-month walkathon with some people um, and they they ended up doing in the six month I believe it was over 50 million steps. Um, and they're, they're sharing it between them and another, uh, organization, which is fantastic though. They get people out, uh, a couple of them had, had made, you know, uh, a couple million steps just on their own. And, and we did that a couple of, uh, last year for September. Remember Javad, we, we averaged yeah. something like 10,000 steps a day. They averaged 11,000 steps a day, every day for six months for these top, like few people. Um, but we ended up winning our, our little, uh, work one doing that. And that was so much work just getting that done. Can you imagine? I mean, putting in 20 million steps for six months, those are some dedicated people behind this. They're off. They're off. So Javad, I, th I think I saw that you may have wanted to show something here as you use no, your, no. your awesome technical skills to accidentally bring it up in front of everybody. So, uh, what do you got Javad? So I thought I'd, I'd, I'd uh, end on a slightly better note. So you may remember back in March, Ubiquity Networks, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. the, the, the providers of Unify and all that, very expensive, too expensive for me, uh, Wi-Fi stuff, That I, <laughs> but apparently it works really well. So they had a, a breach apparently back in March, and it was big news, Krebs covered it and what have you. Yeah. And there's an interesting, interesting uh twist to this plot so i mean if, if you search for it it's, it's 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 everywhere but um they got hit with data was breached from aws and some of their github it was actually an insider who was doing that yeah so they called him in to say hey we've got this problem can you help so he proceeded then to ransomware the organization and ask them to pay ransom. Um, Ubiquity didn't pay. They didn't want to play ball. So they called law enforcement. Um, so the, uh, the the undoing of the insider was that he used uh, Surfshark uh, as a VPN to hide where he's coming from. And there was an outage at Surfshark for a temporary period. And that revealed his real IP address. Ah. And where he went wrong, he actually paid for Surfshark using his own personal PayPal account. Oh, so right, right. Knowing that he was then rumbled, he then posed as a whistleblower and went to Krebs and other reporters and saying, there's this big issue with ubiquity. You need to cover it. They've lost a lot of data. They've been ransomware. It's all a mess. 
Um, and as a result, actually, uh, Ubiquiti, I think they lost about two billion in share value as as a result of the incident. Yeah. So you know we talk about uh, ransomware and double extortion, triple extortion, and that kind of thing. I think this is insider threat, double extortion, triple extortion, <laughs> where you steal the data, so you've got their IP. You then proceed to ransomware them, which is a big issue for the company. And then you leak the story to the media that bring down the share price. So that's the third hit the company's taken. So I thought it was a, a really scary look at what insider threats can look like when they are uh, perpetrated by a very determined attacker. So um, the, lesson, the lesson of the story here is, is um, use a VPN that doesn't have outages and don't pay with your uh, your PayPal yeah. account. Use like a, a virtual credit card and mask it. Well, this is like why PIA and those, uh, you know, uh, private internet access take uh, gift cards and such, <laughs> like Amazon gift cards as payment, right? Um, Proton VPN. And- I remember this, Javad, because I remember the coverage wasn't exactly um, favorable in Ubiquity's uh, case. They they really were coming down on Ubiquity quite a bit. Um, I don't know if we were part of that. Uh, I really don't remember. But, you know, all things that were released out there and that were shown made it look like Ubiquity had really, really screwed up. And so this is one where if we did say bad things, sorry about that ubiquity. Obviously, more things have come to light, but it is interesting and it does show how much power an insider can have within an organization to really damage it. Now, I've seen insiders do things like try to steal databases on their way out the door as a salesperson or something like that. Like they're trying to grab all that kind of stuff on the way out. So they have these leads next time. I've seen stuff like that happen quite a bit um, in, in places that I've been this level of things kind of reminds me of that Tesla story where they came after the the guy and tried to get him to plug the USB drive in and ransomware Tesla. You know, he turned him over to law enforcement, et cetera, et cetera. But insider threat, stuff like this is still a real issue out there. And we need to remember that. That's right. That's oh, yeah. right. And, yeah, go on, James. No, I was just, I was agreeing because I, we've also seen where you've got cyber criminals reaching out to employees that are disgruntled and not enjoying where they're working. And how are they finding out? Social media, Reddit, LinkedIn, they're posting, (laughs) you know, can't stand working with this company or whatever. And then for the cyber criminal, Hey, there's a prime target. Let's go after them. Hey, put load this ransomware on the, on the system run this program and then we'll, whatever money we get, we'll give you half or we'll give you a hundred grand or a million dollars or whatever. So yeah, it's very much um, a considerable threat to consider within the organization. Yes. Yes. And, and just going back to a comment you made about whether we were unfavorable towards ubiquity, if we were, it was perfectly justified. So I'm not apologizing for nothing, <laughs> but, uh, but I think what, what it does show is that, you know, unlike the court of law, where the onus is on the prosecution to prove beyond reason beyond reasonable doubt that the person did what they're accusing them of doing, uh, we we find that in in data breaches, that isn't an established framework. If someone says, if I say, "Hey, I've hacked into Eric's home network and I now have all of his files." Uh, People are going to more likely believe me and say, well, Eric, now it's up to you to prove that it didn't happen. And proving a negative is is really hard. So yeah. I think on one hand, the media and 
us, I suppose, in, in, in that category need to, A, give people more benefit of the doubt when something happens. But then I think organisations need to meet journalists halfway and be a bit more transparent in like, well, okay, someone's just claiming that they have, we are doing an investigation, we're looking into this, that, the other. But that's another way that you can actually waste a lot of time, uh, resources for an organisation just falsely claiming and then they have to run around trying to defend themselves and, and what have you. So I, I think it's a, it's a real mess of a situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when I was at ISC Squared um, years ago, when I was the director of member relations and services back there, we had an issue happen. I think we were all at RSA, as a matter of fact, where a story got dropped that people could go into our system and falsely set their invoice for their uh, their. AMFs, their uh, annual fees to zero and, you know, do that through some manipulation of the URL. And what was interesting about that is I, I was on the backside of that. And uh, this was one that Krebs covered as well. Uh, we actually showed to Krebs or, or, or sent this thing going, no, all that does is change what's displayed in a generated um, PDF, but the back end of the system rejects it. It says, no, you can't pay a $0 AMF try again. So all it did is change what was displayed. That was actually never published by, by Krebs. It was all about, oh, this uh, security organization can be fooled like this when, when truly it wasn't actually the truth. So, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways. I know that we reached out and said, no, this is actually yeah. just, and, and we're right. You know, we, we changed how we handled the URLs, did some encryption on the URL um, but ultimately, there was no way to switch that into being, uh, you know, something that fooled the system into paying your AMFs for zero. Mm -hmm. But the media character that was doing this at the time paid no attention to that and just let it go, which I thought was kind of frustrating. So there's there's several parts to this that can all work together, depending on who wants clicks or who wants a good story, honestly. And, and that's where a lot of it comes down to. It's like who's benefiting from a particular narrative or a particular thing. You know, it, it's, you know, it's it's something that if it, it's that old one, isn't it? It's um, view source code, change the values in that, reload your browser yeah. and oh, look, all of this that's stuff. I'm, my, my cart is full of like a Ferrari and Lambo and I don't only paying like shipping fees or something. But it's, you know, it's. It's something that you're right. It, you, you have to see who's benefiting from what and then take the narrative from there. Because I'm not saying people do it uh, willingly, but when you when you go down a particular route or you're known for wanting to be first in breaking a big story, because that that that's where a lot of journalism comes into play, then it becomes really hard to to sometimes see the wood for the trees. Agreed. Agreed. I'm trying to be very, did, did, I, I stammered and stuttered my way through that because I'm trying to be very diplomatically correct. And I don't want to point fingers because I know that I've probably fallen into this trap in the past as well with, with stuff. But I think everyone, like you said, everyone has a part to play, especially James, because he's just the worst. Well, and it is hard on social media. It, it is really easy to get caught up in that. And we've all done it. We have, whether we want to admit it or not, we've all gotten tied up in something like that where we've jumped on the bandwagon and really hammered the hell out of somebody and then turned around and realized, well, there was more to that than, than we realize. I mean, this is the world we live in and we do have to be careful about that. Although 
it's hard not to. I'm sure, James, you're actually a nice guy, so I'm sure you've never done that and found out that you were wrong with. He's not a nice guy, so we don't really listen to him much about anything. So, you know, we, we cut off fake news as soon as we see it. We we cut it off at the head, you know. But, you know, as they say, you chop, chop off one head and two heads emerge. So time to cut off the other head as well. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone for joining me on my broadcast today. I'd like to thank Eric and James for starting it off and uh, doing a kind of okay job with it. But until next week, uh, well, maybe not next week. Hold on. When are we going away for Christmas break or like the holidays? Are we are we taking time off? I am dedicated to this show. He doesn't know and neither do I, but keep tuned and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Until then, stay secure, my friends. <laughs>